Welcome to the Qualitex Podcast. I'm your Google, your host and the director at Qualitex 3, where we provide with engaging and fun online GMP training, public viewings and customized training. And today my guest is Christy Mazarisi. Christy is the director and global lead of quality at CGI, where they help customers implement automation tools for quality. And today we are going to talk quite a lot with her about the opportunities out there for companies to use AI and different automation tools for quality purposes. And we're going to talk how this really helps save a lot of time, resources, and really what are the possibilities out there. So without further ado, let's get to it. Christy, welcome to the Quality Talks podcast. Uh, really excited to have you on the show. And uh, our topic today is uh, automation and uh, and quality, how it's, uh, it connects uh, together. And you had several uh, blog posts on the topic and uh, really excited uh, to talk to you about it. So maybe you can give a short introduction about yourself, how you are connected with this um, really interesting topic. Sure. And thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chat about this as well. It's one of my favorite topics and it's really relevant actually to the world we're living in today. Um, So my name is Christy Mazzari. I am currently the global lead of a quality and manufacturing consulting team. Um, I'm connected to this topic um, in many ways. I support a lot of clients and uh, life science organizations to digitize their processes or digitize their manufacturing facilities. So I work with automation quite a bit in my career. Um, I've been in the industry for over 15 years now, um, pretty much always in a quality assurance or quality systems position. Nice. So you have uh, a lot of quality assurance also, and then uh, this high-tech area of of automation and artificial um, intelligence and automation. So maybe you can... um, Give some overview about it. So I read a bit uh, um, about also your blog that you've written. And it was really interesting uh, to see uh, we are all used to talk about AI. By there, we have the IA, right? So it's uh, two terms. You have the IA and AI. So what is the difference uh, between them? So... IA is intelligent automation. So that is really a spectrum of tools. And AI, artificial intelligence, it is one of the tools on that intelligent automation spectrum. So a lot of folks do get confused between the two terms and what they actually mean. So for example, on the intelligent automation spectrum, you have RPA at the low end and you have artificial intelligence at the high end of that spectrum, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, RPA is, stands for? Robotic process automation. Cool. Yes, and that is one of the most basic tools on the intelligent automation spectrum. Right. And uh, right, so we have the aut- automation, which is uh, quite uh, common in, uh, in quality in manufacturing. And uh, so auto- we have automation for a long time, right? So there is uh, the sorting, there is the automated packaging, the filling, and so on and so on. So where is the intelligence comes in? So that comes in, I would say, more along the lines of once you hit, let's say, on that spectrum that I was talking about, the machine learning aspects through artificial intelligence. So whether it's in your production train, like you mentioned, the filling and packaging, right? Um, You can use machine learning um, to help drive that process. Um, 
where it can, um, the bot, the tool, right, can learn your process. And then as it learns, it can help create more efficiencies throughout that process, either to do it faster or to predict downtime or many other things within your manufacturing uh, train. So um, I can say that automation from an intelligence perspective is used more so in manufacturing and supply chain than it is in the quality assurance or quality system space. Right. So how do you see it maybe change? So if we're talking about quality, right? So there are many organizations that uh, want to digitalize, but they are still stuck with paper. And here we're talking about something even in a on a higher level, right? So uh, intelligent uh, automation of uh, processes or... Uh, uh, you know processes or a way of doing quality so how does it how does it look so let's start with maybe where is pharma right now and uh, what is the progression into this automation how common is this actually so um i would say um over the past year i'll use as my time frame um a lot of pharma and biotech and med device companies are really just starting to digitize their processes. Um, before, let's use COVID, because that's really the big push recently for digitization. But pre-COVID, a lot of uh, organizations, they just weren't ready to go through any digital transformation. It wasn't even, uh, for most companies, I would say at the top of their priority list. Um, and then once COVID hit, I think that kind of forced organizations to successfully or not so successfully push um, themselves into some type of digital transformation due to nature of everybody working from home, nobody being allowed on site, and all of those um, restrictions that we had in place over the last year. So I would say now, post-COVID, a lot of companies, it went, you know, and when, as I was talking to different clients, it went from not being a priority to being one of their biggest priorities to start digitizing their processes. So a lot of companies today more so are really looking into this or they're already on their uh, digitalization journey. Right. It, it reminds mm -hmm. me a joke that I've seen running around uh, right now. Uh, probably you've seen it. Who, dri who drives... Uh, um, digitalization your organization this year and then you have the co yeah. cto and then the last and question covid19 COVID right yes. that, that's who drives I saw your... that yes so <laughs> that it... was actually one of um i actually used that image in one of my uh, presentations it, it's really the truth right yeah right no it, it's it's also like that the same um uh, we talked about it in the podcast with the podcast with uh, David, which was the head of uh, global uh, digitalization uh, by the pharmaceuticals, uh, more on the commercial side. And uh, he said that if not the digitalization, they would have stayed behind, but it really uh, saved them and really pushed uh, uh, the company to, uh, to new limits. And it was uh, also interesting to, you know, to discuss why it's why do we need the, the, this huge push of a, a catastrophe or something like this really to to make it happen? Uh, but uh, uh, he, he was not specialized in quality, but maybe it's interesting to hear your opinion on that, right? So um, many quality in the, many in the quality arena, you know, they're a bit hesitant to advance because maybe a regulatory. Um, issues or because they're afraid of uh, future technologies, how will it affect the quality? 
So do you see it like that or do you think it's just an excuse? So I can say from what I've seen, um, folks in quality tend to be risk adverse. So um, digitally transforming a system or a process uh, does come with some risk, right? But I think if it's done right, that it actually increases your um, compliance. Um, you, you know, it reduces the risk, let's say, for error. Um, so while conservative quality professionals, let's say, are afraid to move towards dig digital transformation, it's actually, um, it's actually very helpful. It's beneficial. It reduces the risk of human error. Um, it increases your um, compliance outcomes. So at the end of the day, you'll have a better standing with the regulatory bodies using automation than you do without. Um, because you're, again, you're using tools and bots to automate processes that people were doing previously. And as we know, people are prone to error. It's just in our nature, we're human. Um, whereas bots are less likely and there's less chance of error. So I think what I try to tell quality leaders that are afraid, I try to walk them through um, a day in the life of a person who was doing a task, how many deviations, let's say, or nonconformances they've had versus a proof of concept of a day in the life of someone else who did the same task, but with a bot and show them the difference. Right. And that usually changes their mind. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you really need to, you know, uh, show them that uh, correctly. Uh, uh, so you probably have uh, examples, right? So uh, when you walk them through. So the question is, uh, we know how you can use an AI in production and, uh, you know, in, uh, in the different areas in search and, uh, and so on and so on. But how do you do it in, in quality? What is there in quality that uh, AI can help uh, the pharma with? So there's a couple areas. Um, I would say the big ones at the moment are more around the simpler tasks like uh, data entry. Um, a lot of times, if you're in quality assurance or quality systems, you are entering a lot of data, whether it's nonconformance data, change control information, audit observations, all of those are being automated. So data entry is one of the easiest and quickest ways to um, really gain efficiencies through automation. And that I see a lot in the quality area. Um, the same thing around um, what we call connected quality. Um, but this is also something I see a lot of organizations, the larger organizations doing, ones that have multiple sites all over the globe. Um, they want a better handle on being able to really see their supply chain end to end across all their sites. So we support them in connecting all of the systems and processes together, harmonizing them, and create using automation, so uh, RPA, along with machine learning, to really support predictive analytics across their entire organization. And when we say entire organization, we truly mean that. So from site to site, they can see the supply chain through their vendors, through their manufacturing sites, their fill and finish labeling, et cetera, and release out the door. Um, they're able to see everything in a holistic viewpoint. Right. So that sounds uh, really interesting. And um, um, how how does it basically work if you have different systems? Are do you, uh, for example, help, or are there are there ways to harmonize systems or bring everything together to uh, work, or you need to change your systems completely to achieve such a level of uh, AI or IA? So yes, that's a very good question. Um, one of the main, well, two of the main things that you need to do before you can actually 
connect all of the pieces together and really have a true holistic view is you have to have harmonized processes and systems and really good data quality. So those two things have to be done first before you can start um, really connecting all the pieces together uh, through automation. Uh, without harmonizing your processes across all sites and even harmonizing your systems, it's gonna be really difficult to really achieve that connected layer and really be able to see end to end of your supply chain. So um, process harmonization and system harmonization and having really mastered your data sets across the organization are the two key things you need to do first. Right. So does it mean uh, working with changing the systems that uh, people have or finding a way to bring uh, w- all the data into one system, even if you use a uh, different uh, vendors or different uh, uh, software? So how does it usually look like? So typically when I first walk into a company, a lot of times when they're that large or they have multiple sites, I'll see sites using, let's say, one vendor for their quality system, but then at site A and then site B is using a whole different vendor for their quality system. So what we try to do is we try to bring those systems together and find the right fit for purpose quality system for the entire organization, so every site. So sometimes it is a change in software. Um, and then after the change in software, it's helping them work through harmonization of the processes that go along with that. Right. And um, is it, uh, so how long does something uh, like, that, like that takes, for example, so for a big company, it's probably like a huge project, right? That involves a lot right. of uh, stakeholders. It involves a, a huge change control. It's something that uh, probably can take several years to achieve or or can you do it much quicker nowadays? So if they do not have harmonized process and systems, yes, it's going to take quite a while, a year or longer, um, because you have to go through those baby steps first to then begin your automation. Um, what we tend to suggest first is to develop a proof of value. So that can, for a simple process, take three to six months. And then that is a lot easier to scale up and put into production. So we try to start there. Right. So to show the value, right, of, uh, yep. of the change, True. right? Yes. Yes. So how do you do it? How do you show uh, the value of fee to production? It's uh, also really interesting uh, to know how you can uh, define this value in the uh, Probably it also helps you understand why it's so why why it's so valuable right now for uh, for pharma companies to do it, right? So we, maybe you can generalize it somehow. So at a high level, I mean, value to every organization may be slightly different, right? But um, for most organizations, it tends to be around the same. So it reduces costs, right? So you can show that let's say you had somebody working on a process that took them twenty hours a week to do that was non-value added, and now you use the bot to do that, I'm able to now prove to them that 20 hours has been reduced to a couple seconds for the bot, right? Um, and now that 20 hours is put towards the more value added activities for their employee. So now their employees adding value to the organization, um, they're saving money on having to have somebody do that type of task, so they're reducing costs, and they're also um, creating speed, so speed within their organization to do a simple task. Um, and then again, like I mentioned earlier, 
um, compliance is a big piece of that. So for life science organizations, they want to be as compliant as possible, right? Re so this reduces observations during inspections, which then gives them increased compliance. So that's the main drivers of value is really being able to give back to your organization um, money, time, value-added activities, and um, higher compliance. Right. So basically you showed that you have 10 people who uh, you need they need uh, 20 hours a week to do um, this or that task and then you show how much money basically you save when you uh, switch it to bots right correct right. yep we show them how much money and time that they save as well as um if they were getting a lot of errors okay. right so show them a the reduction accuracy. in errors mm -hmm. right so the accuracy increases so in quality if we are going uh, to um, you know uh, to uh, a more specific level. Uh, so, for example, how does it help with deviations, for example? How can you, or um, some other quality issues that uh, you have, like batch, contr batch control, batch reviews, uh, trend analysis, how can uh, this automation uh, um, come instead of a person? Or how can it replace a person? So that's actually the biggest question I hear a lot is, well, if we do this, are people going to lose their jobs? So um, no, people will not lose their jobs. Um, one of the biggest things I like to say is that um, intelligent automation, no matter which tool you choose on that spectrum, it does not replace people. Um, people are still needed when it comes to exceptions, because as we know, some more difficult processes have some weird or odd circumstances or exceptions that may happen, and you still need people to teach the bots what those exceptions are, um, or also maybe to validate or confirm something as per a regulation. You still need some, there's some regulations that state, you know, you still need a quality person to approve X, Y, and Z. So you might still need that person there to confirm, to validate, and to approve certain things. So um, what it allows is those people to just do more value-added activities instead of data entry or, audit observation entry, you know, silly things like that, exactly. which are necessary, but they take a lot of time. Right. And I think everybody hates uh, doing them. <laughs> so and Doing that part, right? right? <laughs> so I remember every time that I had a task, which is basically, you know, high level copy paste, I, I, I would just lose my mind. And uh, you lose so, exactly. so much uh, uh, time on that. And if you have, uh, you know, an AI program that does everything for you, and the sorts everything it's uh, it's uh, it's an amazing so for example you mentioned audits i think so how does it help you for example with the uh, audits so what i've been seeing a lot recently is um again it's with audit observation entry a lot of uh companies are using bots now to take uh let's say pdf or word documents of an audit report that they've generated or received and the bot is able to read that audit report, take it from a mailbox or wherever it's coming from, whatever repository, um, and is able to populate it into their audit system, whatever that is, um, which then goes over to a quality person to then confirm and approve, and then it moves on through the whole audit you know, uh, remediation cycle. But um, another area in audits is audit trail review, but that's more from a systems audit perspective, not audit inspection perspective so i've seen um a lot of that happening more recently right so 
as you said, it takes a lot of learning and teaching, right? So this, those systems need to be under a constant uh, review and constant upgrade to make sure that they keep up with the system until they, uh, uh, even if you change something in your processes, you need always to stay, be ahead and uh, also uh, maintain the systems and adjust them, right? So if a major part of your process does change after you've already, let's say, um, have your bots in production, you would have to go back and adjust and reteach the bot um, so that it keeps up with your system. Right. Yeah. So can companies do it themselves at the end or do they always must have partners, uh, uh, someone who helps with the uh, programming, right? So it's something probably it's a vendor or a, a companies that provide services that always work uh, together on this, right? So it's not something that the company can buy and that's it, right? Because they need, especially they need the programmers. Uh... Yes, I would say a lot of times, um, most companies, they don't want to invest in that type of resources within their organization. So they tend to work with companies who excel there. There's a lot of companies that are really good with emerging technologies, um, that can do it probably faster and maybe even cheaper than you could internally. Um, but I do, I have seen actually a lot of, um, not a lot, but a couple of large, um, larger pharma organizations investing in their own emerging tech practices. So, you know, it, it depends on the organization and their size and what type of budget they have and all of those things. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, from validation point, right? So now we are coming to quality and how easy it is to validate such a system um, and um, how complicated it is? What are the challenges? So when it comes to the validation part of it, that's a little more outside of my realm of expertise, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I have a team that usually supports me with that and they handle all of the validation. So that's not an area I'm as well-versed, to be honest. Okay. Uh, but uh, from the reports and so on um, could you say you know in general is it easy to do easier than people think so yes it is easier i can say it is easier than people think i think the term digital transformation or intelligent automation is scary in general but i can say that um it's really not that difficult um to get the job done if you have the right partners if you understand what your priorities are, um, if your systems are ready um, and processes. And really the validation piece is not, um, I would say it's not the hardest part of the process. Um, I, from the validation perspective, I can say that really, um, obviously, yes, you do need to validate some, right? Um, we all know that we need to validate um, our systems, right? So bots are included in that. Um, I would say, really, you're validating the data connections, where the connections are being made, um, and the platform where you're operating this tool. Uh, those are the areas to definitely look at for validation. Um, I would say, also, um, if there's human intervention to qualify some of the outputs, to make a GXP decision, then you definitely want to validate those areas as well. I mean, of course, when we're making GXP decisions, we want to make sure that um, the outputs that are helping us do that are validated so we know we're getting the right data. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, right. So <laughs> this is the most important part, right? Because when you deal with AI, it's probably much more difficult so from my point of view or challenging uh, to validate it because AI makes decision. So you, the output mm-hmm. may be X this time, but it can be Y another time. And you need to make sure that uh, both of the times it is uh, what uh, you, uh, it's uh, the result that you're expecting at the end, right? So right. this is basically uh, the more challenging part than validating something that uh, is an input and one output, which is a really basic and easy because sometimes when it's AI, you may yourself, a person, as you said, uh, people are prone to errors and they may expect a different result than uh, which uh, other than AI can give you. But maybe the AI is actually right and you're wrong. Yes. And that's why the validation of those areas where, you know, there's data that's going to help you make a decision or support, let's say, AI in making that decision. Those are the areas you want to make sure that you're validating. Exactly. Yes, you want to be sure that it's correct. (laughs) Um, And there's some cases, too, where you have, um, let's say, machine learning or as um, the bot is learning, it may need intervention from a technical expert to, let's say, auto-classify a document. Um, It runs through um, what it has learned, and you put a document in, it's an audit report. But it comes up and it says, I'm classifying it as, um, uh, let's say, an SOP, uh, and then you, and with 80% confidence, you could then come in there and say, as that technical expert, you can teach it now. No, you are wrong. It's actually, and you select the right one, and now that has taught that bot for the next time around. This document is actually an audit report, not an SOP, with 100% confidence. Um, for as an example. Right. Got it. So. We um, can maybe uh, give an also an overview about the possibilities. So, for example, uh, people who work in quality, not all of them maybe have a good idea of all the possibilities out there in terms of technology and validation. So, if we go back to the basic quality system, so uh, maybe you can just uh, list a few things, automations uh, which uh, you're familiar with. Uh, with which could be used in quality, which people maybe are not aware. Like you said, okay, the, the, uh, there are tools and both that take PDFs and just uh, you know copy them or populate the right fields and uh, find the right information and put it in the system. So that's a uh, quite interesting. So what else, uh, for example, is there which people are not even aware that they can find a bot that can do it in um, instead of them? So they are not even thinking about the possibility there that some uh, that a machine can do it and they save the time and money. Sure. I would say from a quality perspective, um, really the possibilities are almost endless. Um, and it's really one of the biggest things that I like to let everybody know is that when you're looking at intelligent automation and you want to say, oh, where can I use this? What can I automate? Uh, where are my areas that I can use this? Um, you really want to focus on your challenges in your organization or in your quality department, right? And you want to assess all of your challenges, um, all of your administrative type tasks, and then prioritize those. Because pretty much every single one of those can be automated. Um, But a lot of times I see um, organizations or people 
saying, okay, well, I want to use RPA for everything. And I need to know where I can use RPA. It really doesn't work that way. It actually is the opposite. I have challenges in you know, X, Y, and Z within my organization. What tools should I be using? So you want to always look at your use cases within your department and then select the right tools, not select the tools and then figure out where they can be applied. Um, so that is what I like to make sure that a lot of folks understand first, because a lot of times I hear, well, I just want to use RPA. I really want to use it. Okay, well, that's great, but let's see where your challenges lie and we'll help you figure out what tools you need to get there. So really the possibilities are almost endless when it comes to automation. Um, it's just figuring out what solution you want and then selecting one tool or maybe a mix of those emerging tech tools and build out what you need to achieve your solution. So um, really you can automate almost anything um, in the quality quality area from the data entry to account provisioning, um, to support your training, to support audits, uh, trend reporting, um, audit trail reviews, um, even in the laboratories. Um, the laboratories go through a lot of automation as well, which tend to fall in your quality unit. So um, possibilities are endless and that's what makes it so fun. <laughs> right. So basically the idea is uh, if uh, people are not uh, aware of uh, the possibilities or cannot uh, think Uh, in in those terms so the idea is to bring then a company which specializes uh, so I don't know if you do it uh, right so you come to your clients and then um, you ask them okay what are your issues right and they tell me your mm-hmm. challenges and then you can see and suggest how you can help them or advise them or on uh, different automation uh, possibilities right so this is the idea so usually uh, companies maybe won't have the idea from uh, you know out of the blue and uh, sometimes mm-hmm. they need help from outside that uh, comes and says and looks and uh, asks about challenges and then proposes some different solutions so yes I tend to have a little bit of both most of the times I have clients come to me and they say look I have some big challenges here automation is on our list of business goals for the year how can you help me achieve those and then that's where we can help them actually through a series of workshops um, obviously virtual these days but through a series of workshops we can support them in figuring out their biggest challenges and then also helping them prioritize uh, prioritize them um, and that's a big part of what we do as consultants is really helping them find their way we know that their goal is automation well let's help them start that journey and a lot of that starts with assessing their current state right so it all uh, basically always comes uh, uh, comes back to the willingness uh, to assess and to look at your processes and uh, try to improve you know and to be open to, uh, to yes. change right so uh, also in your uh, blog I think um, you talked about uh, it was uh, you or your colleague I think uh, about uh, building proper networks. Building proper networks so that that I have a feeling was my colleague. Um, yes, she wrote on the back of my blog. So building proper networks is really more around um, the folks you know, if what I'm remembering from her blog. Um, it's about making sure that um, if you want what I, what I tell a lot of clients to, you want to learn, you need to learn about automation. 
we can come in and we can help you, but uh, we also want to educate you. It's really a learning. Um, and how you can become more comfortable with it is by learning, by attending webinars, um, watching YouTube videos, right? Or um, podcasts, right? Um, it's really about education for you and your employees. That will help with the comfort level. That will help you understand a little bit better what's required. Um, and then it builds your network of uh, capable people that can support you in this journey. Okay, great. Perfect. So where, uh, what do you see, uh, what is the future basically of the automation in quality? So where, where do you think companies will be in 10 years maybe? And what will happen to companies which uh, you know, won't uh, do the step, won't take the step, won't uh, digitize and uh, you know, uh, will they lose the race at the end? So, I mean, I am one of those people where <laughs> um, I, I tend to take a little more risk. So um, for me, I would say companies should be taking a little bit of risk and should be trying to keep up and trying to automate. Um, I think in 10 years from now, we're going to see AI mature quite a bit more in the manufacturing space and in the life sciences in general. Um, it's still being matured as we speak. So um, from the AI perspective, whereas your robotics process automation is a little bit more, more mature in the area right now. Um, I see the companies who don't want to go through this journey. Um, they're going to see them struggling a little bit in the future. I think, again, going back to the COVID situation, I think this has changed a lot in our lives and how, and how we operate. So I have a feeling that um, certain things are going to have to be digitized, even if you don't want to, um, just to be able to continue to run in a, in really, um, a global environment. I think more and more companies are, they're global um, when it comes all the way from your suppliers through your release testing, you know, and so on and so on. I mean, you know, we're in what we do in the life sciences, digitize, digitizing their systems is going to be important. Right. Great, Christy. Thank you very much for, for all this insight. Is there anything else that you wanted to add and that you think is uh, really important, uh, which we didn't discuss? Yes, actually, there's Please. one thing that is the biggest piece that I would say organizations forget about when they go on this adventure, um, change management. So um, one thing that's extremely important to remember when you want to go on this journey is proper change management throughout the entire process, because it is a little scary to some folks, um, you know, or may seem intimidating, or you may have some folks who they don't want to change. They don't want to do this. They're happy with the way things are. You need proper change management to help really, truly achieve um, your digital goals. So that is the one thing I like to just make sure everybody's aware of because it get, tends to get forgotten. Okay, that's uh, interesting. So uh, can you give uh, an example of uh, how uh, can companies improve on that and uh, why they forget it? Uh, isn't it uh, not obvious? I guess not if you're uh, saying it's really important, but uh, what do companies neglect then? Because I think everybody knows, okay, we need change control. But uh, uh, from you, I understand they forget some specific uh, things or, uh, or maybe not include uh, everything they should. So I think it, it's more around people. So it's from a people perspective, um, more around supporting, you know, let's say you're taking a process that, 20 people were using and you're automating it now, those 20 people 
may have a feeling about it, right? Whether it's good or whether it's bad, um, it's really about supporting them through the change. So organizations tend to forget the people side of things. Um, they go, well, you know, we're automating this process because it's a goal and we said so, right? But you have to remember there's the people at the end of the day who still have to support that process in some way, shape or form. And you wanna make sure that you're helping facilitate proper education of the change, why the change is happening, proper communication throughout the project, and then ensure you're giving them enough training at the end and that you're doing proper rollout um, of the change or, or whatever you're automating. So it's really more change management from the people perspective. Right, so uh, we're not talking here uh, only about documentation or compliance, which is something mm -hmm. that uh, uh, maybe quality personnel really oriented uh, and think about that, they, but many times they forget about really the people side. They, they, they do decisions without consulting or bringing on board the, the people who will use the systems or the people yes. uh, and they mm -hmm. either involve them too late and then they have a pushback, they don't uh, get the support and um, then you have a lot of problems. So basically what you're saying right. from the beginning and if you say it probably many companies don't do it right so bring everybody on board from uh, day one from the from the project planning yes. to make yep. usually if you include everybody early on you'll have better buy-in um better engagement and you know less issues at the end of the day and you'll have happy employees and really that's important <laughs> yeah exactly i agree 100 with you uh, on this always involve everybody who are part of it don't uh, exclude anybody so um yeah so i'm completely 100 agree with you and i see it uh, also not only with the uh, changes but also you know when you write standard operation procedures it's also some kind of a change right that uh, you do updates you yes. don't involve the people and we also talked uh, talk about it also on our webinars and uh, on, on the training uh, also with the changes sop is always work together as a team involve the the mm -hmm. experts involve the people on the ground let them uh, make the decision yeah 100% agree with you christy yes and yeah transferable right it's change management for sops it's just as important mm -hmm. exactly any major change every major change involve the people because the people are a part of it even if you automate them as you said uh, we don't uh, you know exchange um, machines for people and then those people will have to maintain it they will have a, a bit different role but they are still uh, there they are there to but they will yeah, still be part of that process correct great christy uh, thank you very much it was a, a lovely talk i think many people will find it insightful and interesting and i hope it really helps people decide and maybe bring new ideas to how they, they can uh, bring more automation than AI and uh, uh, digitization to their uh, organizations. Oh, thank you. I um, had a great time talking to you about it today and I appreciate you inviting me. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in and watching or listening to this uh, podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something from it. Uh, please uh, share it with your colleagues and don't forget to subscribe, stay compliant and see you in the next one.